It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden by asking questions. As the guy who's killed his fair share of plants, I am an expert in A, killing plants, and B, figuring out why and how they died, and C, advising you in ways that you can avoid this fate. Don't spend all your money trying to kill plants. Call me. It's free. And we'll uh, sort out the situation. 404-872-0750 is my number. John in Fayetteville joined dial that number just a few minutes ago, and he joins us this morning. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you doing today, I'm sir? I'm doing great, Brother John. How can I help? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, my uh, my wife, uh, Miss Mary Jean Nations, uh, right. may sound a little familiar to you. Mary she Jean Nations. You guys. She says uh, for me to tell you hello. I went by her house Wednesday as I drove through downtown Fayette County or Fayetteville and thought about the Nations twins right there next to the elementary school. Yes, sir. They're uh, they're still alive and kicking. I should have so. said triplets. <laughs> I, I should have said triplets. I misspoke myself. So you got triplets instead of twins. Yes, sir. You are correct. You are correct. We all looked my, at them uh, at the time trip- and we said triplets. Is that possible in Fayette County? Why they should be in the newspaper every day because they were so they, sort of they, famous. They were the first. So yeah. uh, yes, sir. I've uh, I was fortunate enough to marry one of them. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> how can how can I help, John? Well, you know, my wife, she's a, she's a hosta fanatic. She's probably got about 33 or 35, uh, different hostas in pots. And, uh, it's, uh, the dirt in the pots eventually settles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, once you first put a, a plant in a pot, you know, everybody knows that the dirt settles, uh, after a while. But, uh, when the dirt settles down and it starts to compact down, uh, to me, it seems like the pots are, it seems like it needs to be added a little dirt to it yeah. is what it right. sounds like. Sure. And and my question to you is is that would you add dirt uh to an existing uh plant uh if it hasn't come up yet? Would you add dirt to an existing plant or is there a time frame that you would suggest actually changing the dirt out of the pots? And if so, at what point would you possibly do that for a husband? Oh, John, as a loving husband, as a loving husband, <laughs> this is what I suggest you do. Go to a garden center and say, okay. I need some perlite, P-E-R-L-I-T-E, perlite. It's the white perlite. granular, crunchy stuff that you see in potting soil. And okay. the thing that happens over a year or two period when you have potting soil in a pot any kind of soil in a pot, the organic material in there decomposes. It becomes very, very smaller, and that's why the level of the soil sinks down. And as it, as those particles get smaller, it actually um, increases the compaction of the soil, meaning the roots can't get through it as readily as they would like to. When it was fresh, it was great. When it's compacted, they're not so happy. And what you're going to do is very carefully get a tarp or go out on the deck where it's a shady place on the deck and tip those pots over pull the hosta out, try to use your fingers to get as much dirt off of the roots as you can, and that dirt that gets off the roots of the hosta mix in about 
I don't know, a handful. It depends on how big the pot is, I guess. But use your judgment to mix in a handful of perlite because perlite will re-aerate the soil. It will break open those uh, organic particles to make it not as compacted. And when you have that nice, loose, open perlite-infused soil there, then you put the pasta back in the pot, you pack this new soil around it, you water it real good, and, oh, Mama, we have a beautiful pasta who's happy, happy, happy. Okay, listen, perlite is the, the key to this. Okay, yeah. hey, Walter, listen, we appreciate that information there, and we'll uh, definitely pass it on uh, to Miss Jean there, and uh, we hope, sir, you have a good weekend. And, uh, hey, if you're ever around Fayetteville, you know, come on down and pay us a visit sometime. Every Wednesday, I run through Fayetteville because I have to go see my mother, and she's expecting the chocolate milkshake that I get from the Chick-fil-A down there south of it, south of Fayetteville. <laughs> so I can't stop, John. Chick-fil-A and the chocolate milkshake, they got to be delivered. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Walter. You have a good weekend, though. Thank, Thank you. you, John. We'll see you soon. Yes, Comes now Judy. Another dirt question this morning. Judy, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have two 50-year-old pecan trees. I need to add dirt underneath it. Mm -hmm. I think it's six inches of dirt I can add over roots without uh, causing any damage and four inches on septic tank. Okay. And why do you want to add the dirt? Is it just to cover the roots? It would look better or give me more of the situation? That and erosion over 20 years. Okay. All right. So the question is what? As is it six inches and four inches, or is it less? Uh, six inches if it's a very loose, sandy soil. Where are you going okay. to get the soil from? Uh, probably have to uh, buy a truckload. All right. This is your homework. You have to go to the yard where the truckload is going to be scooped onto the truck and approve the soil before it comes onto your property. It's really hard to come outside and see the truck is halfway through dumping and say, man, that's all red, sorry clay. I don't want that on top of my pecan tree roots. Well, sorry, ma'am, we just dumped it out. No, you go to the yard and say, I want the nice, loamy, sandy stuff. Mix me up loamy, sandy, easy to penetrate soil and put that on the truck and then, you know, meet them at the house and they dump it out and you and somebody with a wheelbarrow get to wheelbarrow it around the trees. But then six inches is not a big deal as long as it's sandy and open and porous, I guess. Okay. Uh, And I also have yellow leaves on my gardenias. What is causing that? Normal. <laughs> no, okay, I saw mine yesterday. Wonderful. Same thing. I'm losing a lot of yellow leaves on my uh, gardenia, a bunch on the magnolia across the street from me, and that's just a normal process of shedding the older interior leaves. It's not a big deal. Good. All right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Judy. Bye-bye. It's 14 minutes past the hour. Who's comes next? Helen's out in Cumming, Georgia. And Helen, we're going to talk to her about insects on her gardenias, too. Hey, Helen, good morning. Yes, good morning, Walter. I have creeping gardenias, I think radkins, okay. and they are covered with flying insects. How do I get rid of those insects? If it were later in the summer, I would predict you had white flies, because white flies do dearly love gardenias. They think that's the best stuff to eat in the whole wide world, and they suck the sap, and they excrete this sticky stuff that gets all over everything around, and then it turns black, and it's a miserable experience. In my view, Helen, 
you have two options. You have the organic option and you have the non-organic option. I'll leave it to you to make a decision. But the organic option is to use uh, usually insecticidal soap or insecticidal oil. Either one work. Read the label and make sure you don't put it out when it's 90 degrees outside because that'll burn the leaves. But on a real cloudy day, if it was not going to rain for the next four or five hours, I would say today would be a great day to put the insecticidal soap or oil okay. on the gardenias and be real thorough. Get under the leaves. That's where they're roosting at night. So under the leaves is important. So that's one way. Uh, and you'll get eh, 60 to 70 percent control pretty well with one or two sprays. The other way is to use what are called systemic insecticides. As you drench on the ground or you put granules on the ground and water them in, and the roots pick this stuff up and they make the sap poisonous so that every white fly that gets any taste of sap dies. And bear, tree, and shrub is one product, and uh, the bonide granules at Pike Cells is another product. But you just look on the label, it says systemic insecticide for control of sucking insects. All right, okay. put that on. So you make your choice. All right. Thank you very much, Walter. Nothing to it. Gardenias, boy, oh, boy, they do get the white flies, though. If you have oh. a tall gardenia, okay. all the leaves on the bottom will be black from sooty mold. The ground around it will be black from the sooty mold growing on the pine straw. It'll be a miserable thing. Control those bugs, I guess is my motto for you, Helen. Control them before they get out of hand. Thank you, Walter. You bet. Thanks for calling, Helen. One of the things, too, about controlling before it gets out of hand fire ants. I've mentioned before that on my trip to see my mother, her caregiver has a four-year-old, and the four-year-old and I run around in the golf cart putting fire ant bait on the mounds that we find, and we are good. And as you can imagine, a four-year-old really likes to be ridden around in a golf cart <laughs> around the farm. And so when I go down there, it's like you know, every four or five minutes, Ayana is saying, hey, is it time to go look for the fire ants? And finally, its meal is over and the chocolate milkshake is consumed. And so she has a little bottle of, um, of uh, Amdro fire ant bait, and we make sure that she doesn't get any on her clothes or her hands. And we go out and we shake, and she can count. One, two, shake, shake. And we put this Amdro fire ant bait on all the mounds that we can find as we run around the farm. And we can see a week later all the dead mounds that we've treated the previous week. And so if you get ahead of fire ants, stay ahead of them. You generally don't have a big problem. But if you let the fire ant population build up really, really high because you don't get around to putting a bait or a poison out for them, it can be sort of a miserable experience in the middle of the summer, so take that in mind. Right now it's 7.17, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck noise, weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need. Today is a day for a gamble. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. We don't know how many percent chance of rain you're going to have. It's somewhere between 40 and 60 in your location, wherever you are around Atlanta. So it may rain some. It may not rain some. We'll see. The highs, nonetheless, will be in the mid-80s and the lows tonight in the low 60s. Rain still in the forecast overnight and tomorrow as well. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes. And don't forget that tomorrow the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will have a great old big investigation about a very, very little-known program for uh, troubled students. We don't want to know more about that. But the big thing, $525 in coupon savings in the AJC Sunday edition. Gary is in Brookhaven and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gary. 
Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fabulous. How can I help? Um, well, I built my home in Brookhaven 30 years ago, and one of the reasons I picked the lot, it had a beautiful white oak. Yeah. Tree's probably about 100 years old. And there are no blooms, no leaves this year. Um, I had it fed about six years ago and about three years ago. I haven't seen any other signs of a problem, but so far, I know white oaks bloom late, but right now there's no green on the tree. Wow, it should have leaves on it, Gary. I'm not looking hopeful for this tree if it has no leaves on it at all here at the end of April. Man, and yeah, you're right. Sometimes they're late, but late does not mean this far into the season. It's it's worth waiting. It's not going to fall or anything, so it's worth waiting another month just to see if anything happens. I say that because I have a friend, Linda, who has a wisteria plant. And, you know, wisteria was blooming three or four weeks ago and had all in the trees and everything, and she had an arbor covered in wisteria. And she sent me a picture and says, what is going on? My arbor, my wisteria has zero leaves on it. This is five, ten days ago or seven days ago now. And then within three or four days after that, she looked up there and took a picture and sent me another one and says, what the heck? It's got leaves on it now. It was really, really late to come out. Why? We don't know. Your oak typically is a little late, middle April, late April. That's pretty late. But I say give it a month and we'll see, Gary, if would, it's done. Would it be worth having it fed again? No. Feeding's not going to make any difference to that oak. Right now, it's uh, the, the grace of God more, more than anything else. So right. give it till mid-June, and if there's no leaves then, then, my friend, you have a bunch of firewood. All right. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right, Gary. Sorry for the bad news. That is just what I think. That I don't know why it would not have any leaves right now. We'll give it a little more time. Tightly crossed fingers and the power of prayer, of course, is very, very powerful in the garden at six or oh, excuse me, at seven twenty-seven. We'll be back talking about flying squirrels, poison ivy, neighbors weed problem, Epsom salts on Bermuda grass, and how to deter snakes from the garden. All that coming up right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736 and 67 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here just to help you be more successful. If you want to have a pretty lawn, a pretty tree, a pretty shrub, a pretty houseplant, if you want to have an organic garden, if you want to have anything to eat with your family that you've grown together, you can give me a call at 404-872-0750, and we will do our best to help you have that goal achieved. One of our goals on the Lawn and Garden Show is to make as many, as much lemonade out of lemons as we can. And when Ashley Frasca sees weeds in her yard, we don't just pull that weed, get rid of it. We say, hey, this will be a good thing for weed of the week. And so, Ashley, what have you found in your yard this week? Well, instead of it being a frustrating process, we've kind of turned it into an educational process. Exactly. So I, I appreciate that. Um, this week, it was this 
flat, very flat, light green weed that mm. kind of grows out, radiates almost like a flower, and sure. the leaves would kind of curl up on the sides. I hadn't seen it flower. I hadn't let it get to that point. But shiny cudweed. Shiny cudweed. A little flat thing. You're exactly right. Sort of grayish, greenish, I guess, and flat to the ground. A little rosetta leaves about four, would you say, four inches wide, five maybe inches wide? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Almost like a, I mean, it kind of reminded me of lettuce, except that it just grows very flat. And then if you feel the undersides of the leaves, they're hairy. Yes, they're very hairy, very fuzzy underneath there. And you know what it grows into? Rabbit tobacco. Whoa. And and actually, you're a good little girl and would never have smoked rabbit tobacco, but as a rebellious teenager, Fayette County person, there are a number of my listeners right now who say, yeah, rabbit tobacco, we used to smoke that stuff, gave us a headache. Whoa, bad stuff. So if you let that weed grow and see the stem that comes up, it'll be a stem about a foot and a half tall. It'll have these gray, sort of soft, fuzzy leaves, quarter inch wide, two inches long, all along the stem, which you can strip off in September when the rebellious urge really strikes and smoke rabbit tobacco up behind the uh, chicken houses. And there that's, you go. that's what you're going to do. <laughs> wow. Or no, I have never smoked anything from my yard. I'm too afraid. Okay. Well, dig it up. You dig it up. Get rid of it. There's really, it's generally speaking, not so um, widespread that you can't just control it by digging or pulling or something like that. There's no really need to spray it. It think. almost seems to have just a very uh, thin, pointy root. Mm-hmm. Like once you yank mm-hmm. it out, mm-hmm. it just is a real thin, real almost pencil-like, just easy to yeah. yank up. Yeah. Easy if it's soft soil pull it up, get rid of it, end of story. It will not spread very far, but on the other hand, it just is, it occupies space that ought to be grass in the yard. Absolutely. So you got it's not the color green I'm going for in my lawn, right? <laughs> you got pictures? I do. Folks can see that and the other weeds that we've done if they go to our website, wsbradio.com, and then go to Walter's page, and you'll see the Weed of the Week photo album. Weed of the Week. All right. We're going to talk in a minute with... Uh, with uh, with the poison ivy person, Peter, where did Peter oh, go? No, Peter he's dropped gone. away. Oh no. Well Peter wanted to know more about poison ivy. And so we can point out that while you're at WSBradio.com and typing in Weed of the Week, right there beside the Weed of the Week album is the Highway Horticulture album, which has comparisons of leaves of poison ivy and poison oak and poison sumac, in case you ever wonder about that. And the other thing, if we're thinking, talking for a minute about poison ivy and poison oak and that sort of thing, is there's another vine that a lot of folks mistake for poison ivy, but it has five leaflets. And those five leaflets tell me, okay, can't be poison ivy. It only has three. And so it's got to be Virginia creeper, which just is guilt by association. You know, it's the kind of vine that loves the same environment that poison ivy does, but if it has five leaflets, it's Virginia creeper not poisonous, just associates with the wrong crowd in the landscape. Jan is in Atlanta, and Jan joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jan, good morning. Jan? Jan, Jan, Jan? I think Jan has somewhere flown the coop. Let's go to Susan in Toco Hill instead. Hey, Susan, good morning. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a neighbor with a rather weedy, overgrown yard, and his black wild blackberries and smilax is starting to creep over through little underground shoots into my yard. And I want to get some of that plastic, you know, that you get, the curvy, wavy plastic that (laughs) you get at at the big box store, and bury it. How deep of, you know, so I'm going to cut it, how deep do I need to go to keep that stuff from encroaching into my yard? Not 
terribly far down, deep. Far down in the ground. Not 24 inches deep. If it were me, it would be something between 8 and 12 inches okay. deep. And that's pretty easy to dig a trench with your shovel, 8 or 12 inches deep, and slide it in and pack the dirt around it, and then the roots can't get through it. So right. you have a little impenetrable barrier there. If it were right. kudzu, let's say, or some or b uh, bamboo or something that's very, very invasive and very, very persistent, it might have to go as deep as 18 to 24 inches. But for okay. just brambles and English ivy and what else did you say? Some smilax? smilax. Yeah, well, I, do, I am getting some kudzu, too, so I'm, I might... You said 18 to 24. 18 would be nice. That's going to be a heck of a trench there, Susan. I know, but... Like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to say, oh, when your back is aching in the middle of the afternoon, you're digging that 18 yeah, inch Yeah, this trip. is a gradual project this summer. That's and, how I would I've approach it. do something. Don't, uh, don't do it all in one day. No. Or if you do decide you want to do it in one day, go rent a ditch witch, one oh, of those big yeah, machines, those and get somebody to help it, help you get it off and on the trailer and just make you a trench in a heartbeat. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. And that ends that story right there. You got a trench, put the stuff in, and take it back to the rental place. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Susan. Great Bye. talking to you. <laughs> Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Susan's place. Adrian is in Decatur, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Adrian, hey, yeah. good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have uh, want to know if there's a plant or a flower that I can plant in the yard to deter snakes. They're crawling in my garage. Oh, my gosh. Mm, the answer is no. I have no flower that will deter snakes and no plants deter snakes. In fact, some plants, you would almost say, attract snakes. Um, because the way to deter snakes or any, frankly, any wild animal that you don't like in your yard, moles, voles, deer, the whole nine yards, the way you control any of them is to make the environment such that they don't like to be in your yard. And snakes like to be in places that are shady, that have frogs or crickets that they can eat, maybe some earthworms here and there. Um, places they can hide during the day when you're stomping around in the yard and they think, oh, you're going to come beat them to death with a stick. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so if you have log piles, move them away from the house. Rock piles, move them away from the house. Um, lots of mulch right up against the house. Probably mm -hmm. should make that mulch very, very thin. Any ground covers like English ivy or, or, or uh, pachysandra or vinca or things like that, make sure they're thinned out a little bit so the snake doesn't find a hiding place there. But there are no effective snake repellents. There are things that are sold. Yes, I know this, but they're just not effective. Okay. Is What about the line you always hear about? Not effective. Okay. It's got to be um, the environment. It's got to be some way to remove their food, their shelter, or their ability to find other snakes so they can have good times with the other sex of snake. Oh, no. So, <laughs> and for okay. you, you know, if you, Adrian, if you don't like snakes, and I catch that from your voice, that snakes are not your favorite creature in the world. Not at all. Um, get a little, what I call a snake stick, which is, can be as easy as a broom handle. Just get a little stake that's like a walking stick that you put by the back door or by the carport. And when you walk into the yard, take it and just thump it on the ground and swish it through the underbrush and anywhere you're planning to work or to, to be around. And snakes, that stick being bumped around and swished through the 
the leaves and bushes tells the snake that somebody bigger than them is coming, get out of there. And the snake oh, okay. just goes, wow, get her someplace else. They go someplace <laughs> other people's yards. It's not going to be in Adrian's yard if she's thumping around <laughs> and swishing things because that snake right. is scared of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling, Adrian. Thank you. We've, we've got, let's say, Jim real quickly in Buford, Georgia. Join us on Lawn and Garden, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have one question. Yes, sir. Epsom salts and Bermuda grass. I read in Farmer's Almanac mm -hmm. or somewhere that Epsom salts on grass strengthens the root. True mm -hmm. or not? If you have a deficiency of magnesium, yes. Is that very likely? No. Okay. So, is, I talked to the head of the soils lab in Athens a couple of times and asked, uh, you know, how many samples that you get every year? And they have thousands and thousands of soil samples from all over the state of Georgia. And I said, so how many of them come into you and are tested and found to be deficient in magnesium? And he says, eh, 20%, maybe less. So, in most of the cases in Georgia where there's not a magnesium deficiency, Epsom salts, that's all it supplies is magnesium. And there's no real reason to put any more down. The plant, the Bermuda grass, can't absorb more magnesium than it needs. It'll get what it needs from the soil if it's present. In most places, it is present. So, don't put it down. Appreciate it. It's not going to hurt the plant. If you want to do it, Jim, I'm not going to arrest you for doing it. But it's simply a waste of time and money. If you just feel like you have to put up some salts, go ahead and do it. But again, it's not going to be effective at doing much of anything for your for your plants. Thank you. All right. Stay Bye. soon. There are a lot of things like that. I have to base this show on science. I can't base it on what you read in the Old Farmer's Almanac or what your neighbor tells you over the fence or what you heard from Grandma and Grandpa. Because, hey, my grandmother would soak her feet in Epsom salts and then pour the Epsom salt water around the roses and flowers in her garden. She believed that it made her roses and flowers prettier. Who's going to argue with your grandmother? Not me, for goodness sakes. No. But... Based on science, no. The magnesium sulfate or Epsom salts doesn't have any effect on plants, particularly strong, bad, otherwise, unless you have no magnesium there. So I, again, base the show on science. I do my best to have research that backs up all the things that I say on this show. And occasionally I'll temper it a little bit with my own experience. Science, research, experience, the three of those together. Generally speaking, you can get something that really can be taken to the bank, that really does work for most people. It's 747, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slate, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Basically, it's going to be most of the day what you see right now. Partly to mostly cloudy all day long, 40 to 50% chance of rain. Highs, though, in the mid-80s, so it won't be cold outside at all. It'll be dropping down to the low 60s this evening. Stay tuned. It last most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Rex is in Flowery Branch, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Rex, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. How can I help? Well, I've got about 10 Bradford pear trees that line my driveway, and they're yeah. about 35 feet tall, 40 feet tall. And nice. I'll get up one morning, there'll be a big limb laying on the yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Last year, four or five fell. This year, it's already started. 
Can I top those trees now, or is it is it too late to do that? Yeah, it's possible. The better time to have done it would be back in January when you were thinking about this, and then not here in April. I read something about flowers and blooms that you would kill the blooms if you did it in the fall. And so I thought, well, maybe spring is better. Yeah, you a few flowers will be removed by you pruning in the fall, sure. But not all of them, certainly. I mean, anything that you leave on the tree is going to flower. So, so to answer the first question specifically, yes, you can prune Bradford pears in such a way that you remove some weight on the limbs because you've seen this yourself. You know how the limbs cluster together right close to yeah. the trunk and one or two of them will flop out and then pull the whole tree apart sometimes. So, yes, you can prune the tops out of them. It's better done by a professional Rex, but if you've got a ladder or a some kind of lift and a chainsaw, then I'll let you make your decision on how safe it is. <laughs> but uh, it is possible. It is possible. Okay. Very good. I-, I may do that a little at least and do the rest and then follow them. Yeah. Or, again, arborists are your best friend when it comes to having things <laughs> taken down, so keep that in mind. Well, thank you, Walter. Appreciate All right, Rex. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. I had two two big pine trees taken down this past uh, week, past Monday, as a matter of fact. And I went to Georgia Arborist, G-E-O-R-G-I-A-A-R-B-O-R-I-S-T, GeorgiaArborist.org, to find an arborist. And the members of GeorgiaArborist.org, most, if not all of them, are members of the uh, International Society of Arboriculture. They are tree huggers, tree lovers. They have companies who will do tree work. But the first thing they always ask is, should this tree and can this tree be saved? And when we took a look at my two pine trees, both of them had these big, enormous, fusiform rust cankers running up and down the trunk, 15, 20 feet long. And I know, and others know too, that the first place that a tree, a pine tree, will crack off is right where you see the big fusiform rust canker. And so I decided, made the decision, we had to cut it down. So the guys came in around 11.30, I guess it was, worked like Trojans. They were, they were running from place to place to place, picking up limbs, putting them in the chipper, getting all the logs, putting them in the, in the log truck, uh, sweeping up the debris and the shavings and clippings and things like that. They worked and worked and worked till around mm, 2.30, I'm guessing, and after having taken down all those trees, finally they had lunch. But they did a terrific job, a terrific job. They wore hard hats like they should and uh, charged me an equitable price, I think. And so if you have tree work that's needed, georgiaarborist.org, and look for somebody in that uh, member directory that is a internationally International Society of Arboriculture uh, Arborist, ISA Arborist, and they'll be sure and take care of your trees the way they need to be taken care of or taken down the way they need to be taken down. It's 7.58. We'll be back right after news. <laughs> 